When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Very truly, I'll tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. Peter turned and saw that the disciple whom Jesus loved was following them. This was the one that had leaned back against Jesus at the supper and said, Lord, who is going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he asked, Lord, what about him? Jesus answered, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? You must follow me. Because of this, the rumors spread among the believers that this disciple would not die. But Jesus did not say that he would not die. He only said, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? This is the disciple who testifies to these things, who wrote them down. We know that his testimony is true. Jesus did many other things as well. If every one of them were written down, I suppose that even the whole world would not have room for the books that would be written. Brill, that's the final part of John's Gospel, John 21, second half of it, beginning at verse 15, if you've um, got a device and want to follow along either at home uh, or in the room. So let's pray and uh, then we'll look at those words together. Heavenly Father, we ask that these words that Jen's just read to us, these words um, from the uh, Gospel of John would... Uh, makes sense to us this morning that this conversation that's been captured for all time between Jesus and Peter, that you'd help us to not only kind of understand what happened in that conversation, but also understand how it speaks into our lives, into our hearts and minds and decisions. We pray that we would be a people who know your love and that we would be a people who love in response to that. Please work in us by your spirit this morning, by your word this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So I started the week on a Zoom call to the Archbishop of Canterbury, as you do. Now, it wasn't just me and him. There were 160 other clergy from London. So we mainly listened, and he mainly spoke, and a couple of other people. 
Um, I was struck by a couple of things. One was he had a reputation that I'd not experienced before, but actually that he's not quoted by the mainstream press, but he often talks about Jesus. That was notable in the way that he was speaking to the clergy of London. He was going back to talking about Jesus and the example and teaching of Jesus often. As I say, that's not usually quoted when the press write up his comments. They usually edit those out and quote whatever else he talks about. So that was one striking thing. And the other striking thing is he kept on returning to the theme of love and Jesus teaching about love. And the reason I mention that is because of what Jen's just read to us from the end of John. And the big thing that stands out there is that question, isn't it? From Jesus to Peter, do you love me? And, of course, love is a very practical thing, isn't it? Uh, You you don't um, love your family by um, going and sort of sitting in the corner at home thinking loving things about your family. How do you love your family? In all kinds of, you know, a thousand different practical ways. As you show kindness, as you um, do another journey to pick them up and uh, ferry them where they need to go if you're a parent or a grandparent. As you wash up and cook and clean and do all those things that need doing to love your family. As you keep in touch and ring and write and email and that's how you look. It's, it's, all th- it's a thousand different practical things. And it's going to be the same, and we'll get there, when we think about loving and worshipping. Andrew flagged that verse from Romans chapter 12, verse 1. It's the same principle there. It's that we're going to look at here that love for God is going to mean a, a thousand different practical things rather than simply, you know, thinking positive things about God or feeling slightly lifted if we have upbeat music. No, no, no. It's about practical things in our lives. And the question this morning, putting those two things together, is do you, do I, do we love Jesus? It's always been the big issue. In those thousands of practical ways as we live our lives week by week, do we? So let's um, dive in to um, John 21, verse 15, in joining Peter with Jesus Uh, breakfast is finished and Peter uh, Jesus turns to Peter out of all the disciples and says do you love me more than these now Peter is a passionate person he's someone who does love he's impulsive he wants to do the right thing he's willing to take action just before Jesus uh, was betrayed Peter had a, a, a confidence to declare even if everyone else deserts you I never will and that's the issue here Peter has made big boasts in public that have come to nothing he's put himself above all the other disciples and said even if they all desert you I know I never will he's claimed that he loves Jesus the most But of course, if we know the story, Peter not only deserted Jesus, he went one further, didn't he? He denied that he ever knew Jesus. Well, how do you feel when you've let someone down? When you've hurt somebody? How do you feel when you see them next? Are you apprehensive? What are they going to say? Are you ashamed? How are they going to treat you? Will it be the same as it was before? Will they forgive you? 
And Peter, of course, hadn't just failed a friend, he'd failed God. But then, who hasn't? We've already confessed our sins in the service, haven't we? Failure is common to us all. It's awful. And it robs us. It robs us of joy. It it, it blocks our sense of, God might listen to me when I pray. It dampens our enthusiasm to serve God in our lives. Peter, the failure, needed to be restored. And that's the first thing to focus on when we're reading John 21, is that just like you and I do, Uh, When we fail, Peter needed restoration, and that's what Jesus did with him. Notice how he does it. Jesus doesn't sort of paper over the cracks and say, oh, you know, let bygones be bygones, Peter. Let's just forget about it. Three times Peter has denied that he knew Jesus. Three times Jesus penetratingly asks him, do you love me more than these? Do, Do you? Do you, Peter? Jesus knows full well how much that will hurt for Peter. And sure, by verse 17, Peter has said, so Lord, you know I love you. And you can imagine, well, I'm imagining there as I, as I sort of read it out, that there would have been exasperation and pain in his voice. So why does Jesus sort of focus in on, on his sin and his failure rather than just say, oh, you know, bygones be bygones. Because, you see, that's not how sin is dealt with. Sin isn't dealt with by, oh, well, let's forget about whatever happened. Like if you've got a, if you've got a, a wound, uh, there's something, you, you've cut yourself and it's horrible and you put a plaster or a bandage on it. And, um, well, yeah, um, uh, uh, that was probably the right thing to do, first of all, but it may well not get better that way. It may well you need to lift that off because it's festering underneath. And, and you need the light, you need the air. Well, so it is when it comes to dealing with sin on our lives. God will expose it to us, make us aware of it in our conscience or through a friend speaking truth to us or through something we read or a dream even. That God will highlight the sin so that it can be forgiven and dealt with. And that's what he's doing with Peter. Jesus is highlighting it in public, just like his denial was in public, and his restoration is going to be in public because he's going to have a vital role in the future of the kingdom of God and because failure is never the final word in the kingdom of God. And so for you, for me, maybe you feeling this morning that you failed, Another time, you'll be feeling it. But if we admit our sin to God, if it comes out into the light, God already knows it, but it's coming out into the light before him, admitting it, and then we'll find that he is ready to forgive us and restore us too. Then after restoration comes refocus. That's the second thing Jesus is doing here. He's refocusing Peter and the others on receiving God's love and then living it, reflecting it in their lives in a thousand different ways. You you may have heard the um, story of um, uh, Christina, a young Brazilian girl who lived in a village and who, like many teenagers, dreamed 
of uh, going and going to the big city and uh, life there. She desperately wanted to go, and she would always nag her mother Maria uh, about that until one day Maria went into Christina's bedroom early in the morning before school to get her up and found that the bed was empty, a suitcase and all her clothes had gone, and she knew what had happened. Uh, She packed a bag herself, she went to the bus station and bought a ticket for Rio de Janeiro, but before the bus left, she went into a photo booth and took, as much as she had money, she took photos of herself, photo after photo after photo in the photo booth there and then went to the city. And knowing her daughter, knowing that Christina had no money, uh, no way of earning, and that she was too stubborn to give up, and knowing the desperate things that people will do when they get hungry, Maria went to all the places that you would find prostitutes. She went to the bars, she went to the clubs, she went to the hotels which had the reputations And what she did in each one is she took one of those little photos of herself. She wrote a note on the back and uh, put it in a public place. And eventually she'd used up all her photos, used up all her money. And with great sadness in her heart, she thought, well, I've done what I can do. And she went home to the village. A few days later, Christina came down the staircase of one of these hotels and as she entered the lobby, on the mirror on the far side, she saw a familiar face. She saw this picture of her mum looking back to her. And with a tightness in her throat and tears in her eyes, she walked across the lobby and picked up this photo of her mum and found on the back the note that her mum had written. Whatever you've done, whatever you've become, Please come home. Which, of course, she did. What that uh, mother did in the story isn't just the love of a mother. It's a how much more is the love of God for you and for me and for every person in the human race who Jesus came into the world for. Love divine, all loves excelling. Yeah? The God who sent his own son into the world not just to come with a message, but to come and to die as a sacrifice on a cross for failures like Peter, for failures like me, for failures like you and the world that we live in. That's the love of this God who made us all, who owes us nothing, but who loves us and sent Jesus for us. And he says to us, whatever you've done, Whatever you've become, come home to him through Jesus. God loves us. I know we know that. But he does. It's true. And it's a truth to continually draw solace and comfort and hope from. Uh, John, the author of this gospel, uh, gives us one more reminder. He's used this phrase about himself a few times, and in verse 20, there's one more. Throughout the gospel, he describes himself as the one who Jesus loves. Loved, sorry. The one who Jesus loved. 
doesn't use his name. He's just so struck by that and he doesn't want to draw attention to himself as he writes the narrative. And, but he's just, I'm the one that Jesus loved. He can't get over that and none of us need to. We, we, we ought to constantly just remind ourselves that that is the truth. That's my identity. Before anything else, before I do anything, I'm the one, you're the one who Jesus loved and loves still. And then having loved us to the uttermost, God looks for a response of love that we would grow to be those who understand and receive and then reflect his love. So Jesus' question here is not, do you believe? But do you love? Our belief may be sound. We may, every time we say the creed, we may say it with gusto from our hearts. But it's not just having the right beliefs, is it? It's saying, I relate to God in the right way. I, I love him. It'll be the foundation of Peter's future. Uh, if he loves his job, his position in the church, his power, then he'll be a liability. But if he loves Jesus more than his reputation, ultimately more than his life, because in verse 19, Jesus explains that in the future, Peter too will die as Jesus will die to bring glory to God, his saviour. So Jesus is asking him a question to refocus him and also to uh, restore him. We've said that, and we're going to get to the third R, uh, recommission. Um, He's asking this question about love to, to draw him out, to say, do you? And to, to get him to this point that he makes this fresh confession of love so that he might be strong in it for the future. So for you and me, let's ask ourselves, do I love Jesus? Do I? How do, how do I know the answer to that question? As I said earlier, it's not about feelings first and foremost it's not about you know when we sing rousing hymns do we feel lifted i hope we do but it's not first and foremost about how we feel it's about well do we trust what he says do we follow what he says jesus gave us a test didn't he He said if you love me you will obey my commandments Uh, think of our husband and wife in their relationship They can't say that they love one another if they never listen to what the other one says, can they? If they never listen to what the other one says, or if they listen and they know what the other one thinks, and then they do the opposite. They they don't, don't, in practice, live in a way that shows love in all kinds of details. Yeah, We, we, We kind of understand that, don't we? Actually, love, it's not just words, it's not just feelings, it's actions that go with all of that. It all goes together. And so it is with our relationship with God too, isn't it? It all goes together if we love him. We've got to listen to him. We've got to trust him. We've got to follow what Jesus says. After all, he's not just another person in our lives. He's God. Come to save us and come to show us the, the, the way So the big issue in your life and mine always is this issue of love. It's the marker of whether you and I make a success of our lives. Full stop, actually. Do we discover and then reflect the love of God in our lives? It's a mark of whether we're a successful church. Are we a church which 
we love each other in practical ways, if we do, if we love Jesus and then we love one another, then we'll be a church which, well, it's a great church to belong to and a church which reaches its potential. That's, that's God's vision for us. And the same for the Church of England, which is, as I say, how I began the sermon, uh, remembering that we were thinking about that together, collectively. People who love Jesus, who keep his commandments, and so who love one another, which is one of the things that he taught us to do. Restoration, refocus. We don't need to never lose that focus. And then finally, I flagged it already, recommissioning. Once Peter is refocused, he's ready to do something useful. And Jesus lists it, doesn't he? Feed my lambs, take care of my sheep, feed uh, my sheep. He's meaning they're teaching his truth to people. Uh, Jesus himself uh, used that analogy. He said uh, he saw a large crowd, he felt compassion for them, uh, but they were, because they were like sheep without a shepherd. This is Mark chapter 6. And what did he do? He began to teach them many things. That's what we all need, the words of Jesus in our lives. And notice there's a sequence, lambs, then sheep, um, different food for different stages, uh, same for people, isn't it? We need different things at different stages of a spiritual life. Uh, milk at the beginning, solid food uh, later on, or grass, if we're thinking sheep still. God's word for us according to where we're at. That's what we need, isn't it? So if you think that, there's another little reflection to invite you into, to say, well, I wonder where, you know, on the kind of newborn sheep to mature ram or mature um, you, isn't it, the lady sheep? Um, uh, where, where am I? Where am I? Am I kind of baby sheep? Getting there? Mature? What, what do I need? Am I getting it? That's the point of the reflection is, okay, am I getting this spiritual food? This, it's what Peter's being commissioned to do. It's what Jesus wants in his church. Think, think about your fa- friends and family as well. If, if, that's what, if that's what the world needs, if that's what friends and family and colleagues need too, well, what stage are they at? Are, are they, you know, what, what, what do you reckon they need? And, and how can you pray that they get it and maybe be part of them, um, actually, so you pass on what you know of Jesus? Because actually, this is the vision here, is actually... The leaders, obviously, are those who are called to be preaching Jesus' words, teaching Jesus' words, but actually all of us speaking Jesus' words together to one another and overflowing to the world around us. I notice what it does mean for people doing my job, anyone in Christian leadership. Uh, people are, if the analogy is sheep, who's the shepherd? It's Jesus. The sheep belong to him, not to me, and I'm a fellow sheep, obviously, in this picture. Um, but that's really important. So if you're a member of St. Helens, and we'll have something at the end about being on the electoral roll, if, you, if you're a regular here, um, you're not a part of my church. You're not part of Steve Dival's church. You'll be very, very relieved to know. <laughs> you're part of the church of Jesus Christ. Yeah? He's our shepherd. And those of us with a, a job to do, and those of us who come to the front and teach things, our responsibility is not to give, us, give you our opinions. Um, let's have lunch and, you know, I'll tell you over lunch or a cup of tea what I think about things. But that's not my job here, is it? It's to teach what Jesus says. Sure, I'm using 
my own words, but I want to be constrained to say what he says and we can all see for ourselves on the page of the Bible. Because that's what we need. That's how we'll grow. That's the job that Peter's commissioned to do. And that we collectively as the church are uh, commissioned to do. Um, There's a lovely verse that I love. um, It talks about the word of Christ dwelling in his people richly. It's the church in Colossae that gets that letter. What, What a great vision for a community that we would be a church that's full of this talk about Jesus. Full of... A kind of a spiritual food bank. Yeah. So that whoever comes, it's their first week at church, they sit next to one of us. Okay, maybe I'm projecting forward a few weeks when we can actually sit a little bit closer. It's more obvious to talk to the person next to you. But, um, but actually they can tell any of us uh, where they're at with God and we can say, oh yeah, well this is what I found helpful. Or this is, oh how can I pray for you? Yeah. A sort of spiritual food bank. That's the vision for a church where we, we're all growing and maturing. It's, why it's been a joy, the life groups over the last uh, year, the way that folk have joined. And it's been, it's been a real journey of growth together. Um, that's been a little microcosm of God's word dwelling us richly, hasn't it? Jesus' words feeding us, us growing up, helping each other. It's a great vision for church. And it's a great blessing for our neighborhood so let's be people who have this focus on jesus christ on his love for us and then we respond by loving one another and by loving the world around us loving the people we work with even when that's a huge challenge loving the people in our families which hopefully is a bit easier but there are days loving uh, everyone and especially loving them by being part of this mission of passing on the food of Jesus' words, the truth about him, as best we can. Let me lead us just in a reflection as um, we kind of think that through. I've I've given us three R's that uh, are my headings from the passage. They're not in the passage. They're just an attempt to kind of see the different aspects of what's going on here. Restoration, refocus, recommissioning. Is there one of those that is the stage that you're at this morning, how you're feeling this morning? Maybe you feel, actually, I do need restoring this morning. Yeah, that's the word for me. I'm a bit of a battered old piece of furniture at the moment. I'm not the Christian I used to be. I'm not the person I ought to be. Well, that's just like Peter in the passage, isn't it? Isn't that what he was like? And Jesus comes to you, as he did to Peter... And the reason he highlights sin in your life is because he wants to bring it out into the, into the light, into the air, into the open, so that you can be forgiven, so that you too can be restored. It's just a prayer away. Talk to him this morning. Well, perhaps you need refocusing. I constantly need refocusing. The whole year, last year has been about refocus, hasn't it? Everything stopped. And we thought, gosh, what's important? But I don't know about you, I'm conscious that as things start to come back on stream, all the sort of old distractions and pressures, are, you know, they're either there or, you know, not that far in the future now, aren't they? And so I need to keep my focus. And it may be that others, like me, just need to remember again what we learned during lockdown, that things aren't super complicated. Life isn't super complicated, is it? Uh, and it's what we see here. 
but actually receiving the love of God and then reflecting that in our lives. That's our focus. That's who we want to be, loving and worshipping Jesus in our lives in a thousand different ways, listening to what he says, passing it on, letting it guide our lives. Maybe that's the thing for a number of us this morning. Or perhaps you're thinking, no, I'm pretty focused, Steve. Well, get stuck in. There's a recommissioning here too, isn't there? Once we've got that focus back, then let's pay our part as those who are joining in this feeding mission, feeding people in the world, in our church, uh, passing on whatever we know of Jesus and his love and showing it in practical ways. Amen.